This podcast is not to be used as medical advice or medical education. If you are experiencing pain, discomfort, or any other medical or physical ailment, please consult a licensed medical doctor or physical therapist. This is the strategy of fitness. Welcome back to another edition of the Strategy of Fitness Podcast, episode 35. My name is Nick Cressy, joined weekly with Dan Gorin, Rob Rowland, and this week, special guest, Coach Slats. What's up, boys? Hey, happy to be here. I want to give a couple plugs before we get rolling into the episode. Yo, you guys have been awesome as far as the Instagram. Uh, we're getting more followers on Spotify and Apple, you know, Apple and iTunes. So please leave us a review, subscribe, let us give us any feedback via text, uh, via Instagram, anything you got. We'd be happy to respond and we appreciate and love all the questions and all the fan engagement. So the best, the best review you could give us is telling a friend and check out the Strategy of Fitness official gym hitters. We hit you with those every week. Those are on Spotify and iTunes. And I am very, very excited to have a guest here. This is somebody Rob speaks very highly of, the legendary Coach Slats. You'll know him on the podcast as the man who gave himself a mini stroke or transient ischemic <laughs> attack on the Eastberg <laughs> because he's such a badass on it. So Rob, let us know what's up. So first of all, I never say anything nice to Slats' face, but I talk very highly of him behind his back. So Aww. thanks for making things awkward there, Dan. Yeah, before like we get into like your big background, Slats, like the reason I want to bring you on is Dan and Nick get real heavy CrossFit sometimes. And every once in a while, I got to steer the ship back to like neutral water. So we did like a just hating on CrossFit app. So this one, I'm bringing you on to give like a nice balanced view on strength and conditioning. So just to kind of give you a rundown of the show, we usually start with our little week in review. So if you got like a workout you hit this week, one or two, you want to want to give us some details on what, what do you got for us this week, Slats? Yeah, what's up, guys? Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's so nice to hear that you think highly of me, Rob. Jeez, for about three years, I didn't know what you thought of me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Never to your face. Yeah, that, that's the way you operate. Weekly gym header. I actually just did this one this morning. I took a group of guys that I train and we're at the park. We're doing COVID guidelines. And we did a, three teams of four guys. And we did about a two mile with wearing vests, one guy at a time carrying 35 pound dumbbells. And whenever you put them down, you had to do either 10 push-ups or 20 squats. And we went for about two miles. I think it took us about 20 minutes or so. And then we finished that up. And we finished a five-minute round of total uh, push-ups for a team. And then we finished a round of uh, quarter-mile loops for a team in a relay fashion. And that's how I end my weeks. Yeah. So... The the guys were doing this workout. Were you in on it? I want to know what I want to know what Slats did this week. I want to oh, I want know, to hear I, about you know, that. Hey, hey, you know I hopped in on that. I might be a powerlifter, right. but I'm not afraid to get dirty. I'll run. <laughs> I think that we'll, we'll get into that later. But I think a big thing I I like to talk about is like Slats is kind of change our perspective in training. I feel like it changed a little bit in our our time together. He went from just like lifting as heavy as possible every day to kind of a more balanced training approach, but. Before we get more into Slats' background, let's kind of go around the room. Nick, you got any workouts or poor? I know you sent out that video this morning. That was pretty impressive. Yeah, so the progression continues. Hit a hit a heavy uh, triple hang clean this morning at 295. And then you've been sending around a 2K biker, right, that you're, you're, you're starting to get into it a little bit. So I know you were doing repeats at like 320. So I went out there this afternoon after work and did a 328, which humbled me. And then just a single set of, of heavy front squats, 225 for 20. And that that was my day this afternoon. Dan, what about you? Oh yeah, I had a nice little workout on Monday. I did a build to heavy. I never really, uh, like I said, I've been really getting to the heavy barbell thrusters and it was a build to a heavy set of three. And I, I get up to 160 before I could go to 185. 
and did 160. And I felt like I could do 165 or 170 heavy set of three thrusters, maybe even 175, but I didn't really have the weight, you know, mat, the plate math going at my place to do it. So I did 160 and did, didn't feel like it was a great move to try 185. I think that might have buried me. Then I did a workout three rounds for time, 200 meter run, nine clean and jerks and nine lateral burpees over the bar. And the time on that was uh, 8.52. So right where I wanted to be, where you're taking about a minute through each of those movements and trying to keep that under a minute for each of those movements for three rounds. So that was a, that was a good workout to kind of test me. And I think the lateral burpees over the bar, I've gotten this shitty habit where I kind of, when I get tired, I kind of do that like double step over, you know, one foot mm-hmm. lands and the next foot lands. But I'm really trying to like fly over the bar like the uh, the more upper level people do. So so that's what I'm working on right now. And I, I did, it was it, with nine, it was really cool because I was able to kind of hold that up. So Slats is like, yeah, this, none of that's impressive. So oh, <laughs> it's, it's all good. Uh, but, it's all but yeah. Good. So that's, that's what I've been working on. We were talking this morning, Dan, about cleaning jerks with dumbbells. What yeah. a weird movement. I mean, all oh, the way down to the ground, full range of motion. I didn't do squat clean and jerks with, with them. I just did power clean and jerks. But, you know, 55-pound dumbbells felt like I was putting 225 over my head by the end of the workout. It's just such a weird thing because you just don't get to use your chest so much. It's just very independent. And that left and right arm better be working in unison. So that's that's the only other thing I wanted to kind of chime in on. Yeah, definitely. And I, I remember there was a workout at our gym that buried everyone. And I remember just the pools of sweat. It was like one of those crazy, like 90, 95 degree days outside. And I remember bringing the 50s and the 35s over because I was like, I'll start this. It was, it was something like maybe 20 squat cleans, uh, 20 dumbbell squat cleans, 400 meter run for some absurd amount of rounds. And I just remember at the end, I just, my shirt was just, you know, it's like you jumped in a pool and, you know, I was vomiting, like close, close, <laughs> as close to vomiting as I ever could be during a workout. And uh, I had to switch to the 35s, I think on the second to last round, because it was just, there's no, no getting away with that. So but yeah, I think it's, it's such a hard movement when you, when you add the dumbbells with any of that shit. I agree. Only thing I got to add from this week is obviously like all of our, our PT students, it's all online learning right now. So some of the students are like leading self-led like classes through our Microsoft Teams. So I decided to pick up like a little kettlebell class for them. So every every Friday at lunchtime, I go out on the deck, put the laptop out and then lead a kettlebell like circuit class. Like I can't see if anybody else is doing it, but it's, it's pretty funny. It's just 45 minutes of me on my deck, like doing a whole bunch of kettlebell moves, talking to myself. So if neighbors didn't think I'm like yeah, weird enough yeah. before, like squatting at 10:30 at night in my backyard, now that they see me talking to myself swinging a kettlebell, they're gonna really think I'm I'm losing my mind. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'm I'm not much of a class guy, and teaching a class when there's nobody there to watch or like talk back to you makes it even even weirder. But I, I I do kind of enjoy it. Hey, you're in your own world. That's all it is. So slats, what I don't want to do as we get into this today is is butcher your background. So I'm going to give like the the wave tops and then I want you to kind of give us like the the detailed version cuz I know like I kind of want to know how much you remember me. Well, it's like even starting out, I know I know you you were in the Marines, but like I don't know if Marines like if they're always a Marine if I can say you're a former Marine. I don't want to offend you by saying like Semper Fi. Yeah, do yeah. or die, gung ho, gung ho, kill, kill, kill. All right, so so Marine, Matt Slaheka, a.k.a. Coach Slats, a.k.a. Ski Slats. Oh, yeah, yeah, that one. That was a good one. Good episode, yeah. So post-military career, went back to school, got interested in the, the strength and conditioning profession. And this is where it gets crazy. And I want you to get into like how one gets into being a strength coach because I think there's a lot of people out there now that call themselves strength coaches and they – there's a different grind when you go to like the collegiate world. There's this world of grad assistantships and internships and assistant jobs. Like it's a, it's a crazy world to go through. So you went to, you started at UMass, right? For your, for your education. Yeah. And then was it on to Eastern Michigan after that for your grad program? No, it was a long road. So if I ramble, just go ahead and cut me off and I'll try to be as succinct as I can be. Succinct. Sorry, Rob. I know you love grammar. <laughs> <laughs> nope. So while I was at UMass, I got done playing football and found out that I liked lifting more than I liked. I was good at, I should say, football. So I was like, oh, I can do this for a job. I'm going to look into this. And then I had a friend, Adam Fight, who's extremely successful, who I'll give a promo out to later because he's one of the best coaches I know. Was like, hey, I'm at Louisville. You should come do an internship. Okay. Well, in order to do that internship, I had to like 
film myself teaching three videos of hang clean, bench, and squat, and then go through a rigorous process of interviewing just to work for free for five months. And then I got that basically because of him. And then I went and worked for a prominent strength coach in the industry, Joe Ken, for uh, five months. And man, I learned more in five months than I learned in six years of college. It was, you know, rigorous 14-hour days, four in the morning till seven, eight o'clock at night, Monday through Friday, coming on Saturday. And you're basically doing grunt work, you know, the whole entire time. And get a lot of ways to teach you different things. And man, I learned so much. I got to work with Brian Dermody, who was a great GNC pro deadlifter. Joe Connolly, who's the head strength coach at Arizona State right now. Joe Ken, who was former head coach of the Carolina Panthers for a while. And now he's, he's out big house power running his own show. I mean, that was amazing. And that kind of set me on my path in my career. I don't know if you want to hear the rest of that or you want to hop in and ask me questions. Yeah, keep giving us the rest of the track until uh, we kind of cross paths. Then we're going to go back and hit on house and all your experiences there. Because I want I want you to give those pearls you learned from each of these guys. Because you've you've been mentored by some of the the big names in the strength conditioning game. Yeah, so that so that time period was extremely important. I didn't know how important it was until after I was done. Right, so that was my junior year of college. I was about. 26 i think at that time and so i'm getting done with that i finished college as fast as i can because i'm trying to fast track everything with that and then where do i go next i'm on for my grad school well a typical strength coach for the collegiate world will uh, be looking for what's called a graduate assistantship which is where you'll work and learn as a strength coach and at the same time the school may if you're lucky pay for your graduate assistantship or you may just not I was fortunate enough to have worked for Joe Ken. And a year later, I got a phone call. I didn't even ask for it, honestly. And that's what the value of an internship does for you. He said, hey, you need a graduate assistantship. I have one for you. You're going to East Illinois. Yes. And I was like, yep, I'm going. I'm in. So I went to the middle of Illinois, in the middle of nowhere, literally in the middle of nowhere. And little did I know, we would turn out Jimmy Garoppolo, Sean Payton went there, Tony Romo went there. A lot of famous people went there, but this was a school in the middle of nowhere. And I was just like, yeah, you told me to do it. I'm doing it. You're smarter than me. I'm going to learn. Hey, real quick question. Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo question. How hot is he in real life? <laughs> so hot. <laughs> uh, it's kind of weird because he was 18 when I knew him. So it was like, hey, freshman, <laughs> Jimmy, hey, you're 18. Jimmy. Hey, so hot. We're like, how do we get huge, this kid? <laughs> huge Jimmy G fan over here. Oh, you shouldn't what be. He's, he's a great guy. You said in college, he was just like a straight worker, right? He, he was like, he did not mess around, right? Yeah. So that's like habits of high performers, right? They come in, they get the work done and they're about that business. They're not, he didn't really mess around. He was always come in with a business attitude. He got it done. And then he took care of what he needed to with everyone else around him. And he wasn't a guy that was ever a fringe guy. You weren't worried about him. You weren't like trying to mentor him to be like a better person. He, he was a better person, and you actually kind of wanted to be around that kind of person. And that was when he was 18, 19 years old, and then I left, you know. But I can only imagine what he did after that. Obviously, the, you know, the rest is history for him. So I, I got done with my graduate assistantship after two years and took my first paid position at uh, Virginia Commonwealth University for Tim Contos, who has been there for over 20 years, which is profound for a strength coach in college. Most guys don't make it more than five years before they get fired or have to move on. And he's been there forever. He built that program from the ground up and he was amazing to learn from. He was an old West side barbell guy, man. He taught me powerlifting and I was forever grateful to him. I don't know if I should be too grateful, but I'm very grateful because it ended up hurting me in the end, but uh, he was great. And then two years later after that, I went to Eastern Michigan university and worked with my buddy Blair, got to learn with him how to be a head strength coach. We had a, rough season and that's when i learned what it's like to get fired a lot of people got fired that year and we made it through somehow and he left and took a military job and i stayed and thought i had the gumption to take over the head role and i sat down in front of the head coach and he said i said i gave him the whole thing i said here here's what i'm doing your players here's an entire player profile list here's what we've been doing i'm ready to take the position if you're ready for me coach he said you know what you've done is great and i'll tell the next guy exactly what you've done and make sure that he knows. I was like, fair enough. 
Dude, that's, that football world is like it's so cutthroat, man. Yeah, it it filters down. The, I don't think people realize when like a head coach gets fired. Like when you hear an NFL guy is gone, like Snap pretty much everybody down. underneath him is gone. Doesn't matter who you are, you're just part of the ship. Yep. So I was trying to save my job at that point, and then I got a phone call from another legendary strength coach, Ron McKeefrey. And if you haven't heard of this guy's name, listeners and everyone, just go ahead and Google it. There'll be a lot of results. I was very fortunate that he took that position because little did I know, he actually played for that head coach back in the day in Division Three, And his main goal in life was if he ever got a head job and he could work for him, he would. And he was a man of his word. I mean, he came to Eastern Michigan University in the middle of Ypsilanti, Michigan. Oh my, five miles down the road from Ann Arbor. We had a little brother. And man, the things I learned from Ron McKeefer, I didn't even work for him for too long, to be honest. I worked for him for about eight months before he kind of like propelled me out the door to go seek something better for myself. That's the kind of guy he was. I learned a lot from him on like coaching other people and bringing people up with you. And his internship program is probably one of the best in the country. I mean, he mentors hundreds of strength coaches. And his thought on that is like, well, if I ever need to help, I'll have 100 people that can help me. As opposed to having five people that like me, so so not to not to sidetrack from the McKee free steps. I want to get into like what you learned from him later, but okay, I, I seem to remember HBO Real Sports years ago watching a special about Eastern Michigan. Were you there during those years? Uh, I think I left right after that. They said they dumped fifty million dollars in that program because they. I mean, what was their their record? Like a couple years, it was it was pretty oh. pretty salty. <laughs> I was there during the bad ones. We were about. Two and 10 for about two years straight. And it was bad. To be honest, we had a really bad last season before everyone got fired. And there was a lot of things out of Coach English's hands that he couldn't really control. You know, a lot of sad stuff. And I don't really want to get it. But we had like, you know, a kid got, a literally a wide receiver got murdered. Like on Thursday night before we played a North Illinois game. It's like, that's real life. It's like, what are you going to do? This isn't like just strength conditioning and like training now. This is like, people's lives you know and that's the difference between college sports and just like training someone in a gym is you don't just like work them out you get to know these guys and you get to know everything about them and you get personally involved and so it's a lot more uh not performance coaching it's more like holistic coaching you're everything to these guys we spend more time with these kids than their coaches do than their families do for four years and that's what kind of makes being a strength coach really special at the collegiate level and so we had a bad run of luck. So we had a really bad season, but numbers don't lie and you get fired for bad numbers. And there was some other stuff that happened. So ESPN got wind of it and they had to fire him. So, so, so not, not to harp on the Eastern Michigan stuff. I just remember Brian Gumpel going out to Eastern Michigan and he's not going to go there unless there's a good story. So spend oh, yeah. your time with Keefe there. He kicks you out the door. Where, where'd you go after Eastern Michigan? Yep. So he didn't kick me out the door. He encouraged me to be better. And so... I found a job, uh, again, Joe Ken, the importance of internships, called him and told him that I was interested in looking for a better position. I was only making $32,000 a year as a head strength coach working about 80 hours a week. And so we found one, a friend of mine, Tobias Jacoby, was leaving uh, East Carolina University. And there was another famed strength coach, uh, Jeff Connor, working there. And for a young strength coach coming up in the game, it's always amazing when you get to follow Fame strength coach after fame strength coach after fame strength coach to work under them and learn what they have to tell you. And so I was eager at the opportunity and I got it. Joe put a you know big house, put a big word in for me. And I went through the interview process and got hired. And I moved to East Carolina University and I was there for about two and a half years, I think. Two and a half, three years. And then that experience is its own story altogether. And then I uh, got a phone call throughout the whole entire process from Virginia Commonwealth to East Carolina. I was getting phone calls from like side contracting companies. Exos was calling me to take military jobs and I kept turning them down because I was following a college path. And then finally, I just honestly just kind of got burned out of the process of working 80 hours a week, 90 hours a week. And I was interested to see what else was out there because every profession is different, has its own quirks. And I was interested in military because I was military. So I was kind of wanting to get back to it. And then I, uh, little to my known, uh, ended up on an interview board. And they told me I was selected and I came up and I'm in the current position I'm in for about four years now as a military contractor, strength coach, best job in the world. You got to be kidding me. (laughs) 
And Nick's got some some experience working with the the high performance program, so we've talked a little bit about it. But that's a good kind of lead up to where we're we're at now. So two things I want to touch on there. One is you talk about that salary at the Eastern Michigan. I don't think people realize like you're a guy coming in with years and years of experience, master's degree, and with the hours you're working, the pay you're getting, you're getting like less than minimum wage. So it just I think it's important for people that know at home like strength and conditioning is a very appealing feel to a lot of people, but you got to be ready to grind. Like I think in the news, you always hear about like the, the sec strength coaches making six, 700 K, but man, that's not the norm there. The, the, the grind out there is real. No, you got to love it. And I loved it. And I had a wife, well, not at the time. She actually in Eastern Michigan, I got married. She said, when's your bye week And I said, September 28th. And she said, okay, we're getting married on the football field, September 28th. Cause that's how little I saw her. <laughs> I maybe saw her two hours a week. The rest of the time was in a weight room or on a bus going to football games or basketball or volleyball or track practice or baseball games. And it's not just one thing, right? At those smaller schools, you do everything. Yeah. So good point. Yeah. I'll tell you one thing that just hearing your your expertise and your knowledge and, and your background is pretty fascinating. I guess one thing that always bums me out is sometimes I meet and again, more in the gym setting, I think that you're dealing with a completely different world. But for our listeners, I don't know if they really understand the difference between somebody who they go to at the gym who's a personal trainer and then somebody who works 80 hours a week with D1 football players, you know, who's a legitimate strength and conditioning coach. So can you speak to the level of expertise that someone should look for when they when they do hire, you know, a personal contra- a trainer, a strength coach, an online strength coach? And what are some things, you know, we've kind of talked about a little bit before. What are some things to look out for? Yeah, that's a great question. So if you ask me, if I give you a program and you ask me, why am I doing this? If I can't tell you in detail why you're doing that, or if it sounds like I made it up or manufactured it, you probably shouldn't listen to me. <laughs> I'm probably a bad that's person. <laughs> or, or if it sounds like if it sounds like something that you could videotape you know and yeah. put on instagram yeah sounds something like something like i repeat <laughs> like an infomercial or if i could put it on instagram yeah. and say look at these tight buns you should probably do this workout even though my boy brett Contreras is super popular and super smart because he, he's the glute guy i mean he found a niche and it worked but yeah if you go to your local crossfit gym someone's like well this is functional training and you should do this because it'll make you an overall rounded person i'm like why well, because it'll make yeah, you an overall I, yeah. rounded person. Like, that's not a good answer. <laughs> <laughs> that ain't it. <laughs> no, that's not it. No. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's cool. I kind of to piggyback off of that, what separates the, the good from the great as far as the strength and conditioning coaches you've seen? You've worked with a lot of legends. I, I've worked with a couple, you know, really people who are, I feel to be pretty legendary in the, in the physical therapy world. But for you, when you look, you have somebody you're looking up to, like what, what makes somebody on that Mount Rushmore strength and conditioning? What do you feel is some traits or some quality? That's a great question. You can, anyone can write a book, right? Anybody can write a book and be popular and say, oh, I got my book published and read this and look at this, the thing that I've regurgitated from 1970s that everyone's been doing five by five programs and methodology and that's great right cal deets is great he does a lot of that stuff but i think what separates the good from those guys that do a lot of good work from the great are the people that really care and you don't really get to understand that until you get to interact with that person or see that person in action and i'll use mckeefrey as that action because i always thought he was good and i always knew his name and then i got to work for him and then everyone every one of my colleagues would call me and be like hey is it all fluff everything that he is it fluff is everything he does is like is it manufactured? I'm like, dude, this guy cares. Like, he legitimately never left that weight room. He literally slept in that weight room some nights because he was getting stuff done. And his personal stuff, he never did during the day. He was on the floor all the hours of the day. He took us out as a staff on the weekends. He would call me and say, hey, man, how you doing? Are you okay today? Can I do anything for you? When I left, he still calls me. Actually, last week, he just hit me up and said, hey, man, would you call me already? <laughs> he, he genuinely cares, and he finds the time. I don't know how he does it, but that was very special. So to answer your question in short, yeah. Find a guy that genuinely cares about people as opposed to a guy that's really caring about himself and his program, I think separates good from great. Awesome. I think giving a shit is the, so, so oftentimes is the, the secret of life. I could have so. said that. I could have said giving a shit. That would have been good. <laughs> <laughs> that's why they pay me the big bucks here. That's right. 
All right, so so Slash, let's go a little bit back through your your training here. So your your first interaction with one of the big dudes in the game. We talked about Big House Joe Ken when you were at Louisville. So I'm pretty sure Joe Ken he was NCA Strength Coach of the Year when he's at Arizona State, right? And then he got NFL Strength Coach of the Year when he's with the Panthers. Yeah, he's held them all. Yep. So absolute legend. If you hear the tier system, that's all Joe Ken. So I'm going to challenge you here with your time with Joe Ken. I want you to give me like one thing or one pearl that you've taken from working with him that that you either apply with training military now and your personal training or something you think is like important for people to to take from this this episode here all right so this is a guy we're talking about that's trained every walk of life he actually really has a passion for training high school kids if no one really knows that but he actually has a passion for for teaching high school aged youth how to lift and how to train appropriately and that's that's something I learned from him. And then what I learned from him is that it's a holistic approach to training. So everyone thinks everyone has to be a powerlifter, or you have to be a bodybuilder, or you have to be an Olympic guy, or you have to train in this and this. If you know me, you know I'm always on the run, up early and home late. So having a three-hour morning routine isn't really in the cards for me. What is in the cards is AG1. It's a fast way to get vitamins and minerals I need to perform. I first gave AG1 a try because it was, I wanted a single solution that helps support my entire body by filling in nutrient gaps and simplifying my morning routine. Since drinking AG1 daily, I've always felt strong and energized and ready to attack the day. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre- and probiotics, and more, it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's one scoop, mixed in water, once a day, and every day. I know that AG1 is giving my body high-quality nutrition. Every batch of AG1 goes through a rigorous testing process so you know that it's safe. And AG1 ingredients are sourced for absorption, potency, and nutrition density. AG1 is a supplement that I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. Here is your chance to start every day this season with a gift to yourself. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash provengrit. That's drinkag1.com slash provengrit. Check it out. And some people will call it concurrent training, and they say concurrent's not right. But when you're training sports athletes, everything they do is concurrent because every energy system, everything they do negates the other, right, in practice. So what he did was take the best aspects of all training types, combine them together in a system called the tier training system. It's just a, a programmatic way to, tr to program training, right? And as the coach, you can put whatever you want in there. And so he, he believed in the holistic training of the athlete, not just like this guy has to be a power lifter because he's an O-lineman or this guy has to be a sprinter because he's a wide receiver. He said that based on the position you play or what you do, everyone should be able to do everything. Like the three-sport athlete topic became really hot. He's like, no one should specialize in one thing. Everyone should be great in everything, and then you'll be a better athlete, and then your practice will make you a better football player, tennis player, whatever player you are. So that, that was one of my first big wisdom balls is that. They didn't come here to lift weights. They came here to play sports. We, we actually got a, got a chance to lift together with, with House out in Indianapolis at the NSCA conference. And you were oh, like, yeah. dude, that's a, that's a big honor. I don't know if you know. You just got to lift with, with the House. And I, I had no idea. And then afterwards, I started looking more into who Joe Ken is. And like, I'm sure you guys all know who like Mark Smelly Bell is. But he's been on his YouTube channel working out with him. Like, the, dude, the dude is a big deal. So Slats did get me hooked up there. I'll, I'll give him credit uh, for that one. That was, that was a pretty fun workout. So after that, Eastern Michigan, that's where you run into to McKeefrey. You actually gave me one of his books before, The CEO Strength Coach. I know you talked a little bit about how like he's the dude that cares and that makes him who he is. And anything else you want to add from like your experience with Ron McKeefrey, like tips for the young strength coaches or just the, the people training? Like what would you take from that guy that you you think is important to relay? Yeah. So here here's my personal biggest one that he taught me. So we came from a really bad situation in Eastern Michigan. And I'm thinking as a staff member, I'm like, man, how are we going to turn these kids around? Because they were at the point where they like weren't listening to us. They were just like, screw you, man. I'm not coming in the lift today. You don't have to make me. Like, there's no coach here. It was pretty wild. And trying to maintain order with that, you can go two ways, right? You can be like an authoritative disciplinary guy, which I tended to be at that time, or you can be more of a guy, let's get everyone on, on the same ship and get everyone rowing in the same direction. 
And the biggest thing, in short, Ron taught me was, hey, man, whatever you did before, forget about it. These are kids. We're trying to teach them, but they don't care about what we're doing. They don't care about squatting. They don't care about lifting. They care about what you're trying to tell them. Like, love them, man. You got to love these kids like they're your own. And you got to show them that you care because they won't care about anything that comes out of your mouth if they don't believe you. And I was like, huh. Okay. How do I do that? He's like, well, first of all, the only music we're going to listen to is Gap Band on Pandora. (laughs) because everybody can agree to that and then the next thing we're going to do is just love them we're going to hug them when they come in the door we're going to tell them they're doing a great job and we're going to get to know them and you're going to sit down with every guy and talk to them for five minutes a day no matter who it is and tell me about it and what i what i learned was just genuinely care about the people you work with and get to know them and get to know what ticks because then you can coach them better quick question so i mean did you have to learn that or is that just innate in you that I think that's my biggest thing when it comes to a really good coach, right? Like, I'm sure maybe he said that, but you may have already knew it or felt it, or did, or was it an actual change for you? Yeah, I'm wondering why that. I always wondered why that had to work for me, right? Like, how? Why did I have to get told care about the kids and love them? Because a lot of it comes from your in college, at least. And I'll give props to the CrossFit community. I think they do that very well because everyone, I've been to a few gyms and I, I have nothing against CrossFit, Rob. I think they genuinely care about each other and everyone gets to know each other really well. And they really care about everyone's success. Well, in college- That's one of Rob's biggest down, downfalls in CrossFit. <laughs> oh, he just Rob hates everyone. Hates yeah. so much. He hates everyone. Yeah. Don't talk to me. He hates everyone. <laughs> Don't talk to me. I'm a loner. Is that <laughs> it, it, it can become very like dog eat dog, right? Like, it's you're coming after my position. Well, I'm not going to talk to you, man. I'm going to, I'm just going to destroy you and everything I do. Or your head coach comes down and tells you, I, these guys need discipline. They're not mentally tough enough. You need to punish them in the morning. I'm like, why is it my job to punish these guys? Cause you can't control the kids that you recruited. <laughs> right. But it's my job to, to, to have an NCAA violation on my hands to run this kid on the stairs at four in the morning. Oh, are you there? No, but I am running this kid that that's supposed to trust me, but I'm the one enacting your discipline on this kid. So that's like fr- frat hazing. Yeah. Which is now, well, <laughs> now this, this quote unquote hazing may or may, may not have happened at any school that I worked at has been eradicated. Now you, you can't do it anymore. Ever since I think it was Louisiana tech, I believe a female strength coach killed a bowler because she was running them. I could be very mistaken on that, but I, I think it was something as ludicrous as that. Wow. Yeah, it's a thing. Like you're training kids, they trust you. You're the adult, you're the professional. But if they trust you that much, then you got to care about them a little bit and not discipline them outrageously and just do whatever you want, right? Yeah, yeah. I think it's like intuitive. Like, yeah, care about people in business. Like, it makes a big difference when you remember somebody's name or like something about them. But it's just that culture of like collegiate athletics and the weight room is just like be an asshole. You're going to punish people with with exercise, but if you can like be that person that that turns it the other way, and it's that old adage like they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Like that that's like it sounds silly, but that's actually pretty true. It's spot on, man. So pretty good like dichotomy between like programming between what you got from house and then like the the coaching side of McKeefrey, and then you go to ECU work with Jeff Connors, who's another huge name in the game you turn me on to him because he's like he's the dude when it comes to to speed training i i watched all of his youtube videos because they're all five minutes long and they're hilarious just listening to this guy talk so you spend a lot of time with jeff connor so tell me a little bit about that experience and then maybe like uh one pearl takeaway from working with jeff yes coach connor is a different animal he was a hard-nosed coal miner son from west virginia and he had he has been in the game for over 30 years we're talking about a guy that in the middle of the day is like, I need to go get a run in. He'll go in his khaki shorts and his polo and go run like 10 stadium sprints and then come back in for the next lift group. Doesn't care. Still squats with a safety bar like 365. And I think at the time, if you're listening to this coach, he might have been like 60, 60, 60 years old. Wow. Just getting it. Just get, didn't care. Didn't care. Got to have heavy weight on the bar. Got to lift. I've been doing this forever. And I'm telling you what, when I walked in that door, I've never seen faster and stronger athletes in my life. And this is only East Carolina. This isn't like Alabama or anything. And I was like, what the hell am I walking into? 
And it was a way different environment, right? It's a step up in the league from Eastern Michigan. So we get in there. We had a really good year that year. We had a couple NFL guys. We were ranked for a while, college football-wise. We had beaten a big, few big teams. And that just goes to show the training. Like So everyone thinks, like, oh, conditioning, I'm going to lift first, new conditioning second. Wrong. No. We're going to run the dog piss out of guys, and then we're going to lift. <laughs> exactly the yeah, opposite. And it, I think the, the training is so much more important at a school like that because you're not getting the SEC athletes like yeah. the, the Alabamas or the like the, the LSU. So that, that training becomes even more important in that environment. Yep. So the biggest thing with them is speed. And when you think about the most neurologically taxing thing that your body can do, it's sprint, period. It's a series of plyometric jumps as fast as you possibly can with 100% effort in motion. No doubt, no squat, no power clean can, can deny it. So we would always sprint first, whether it's resisted sprinting, overspeed training for the advanced groups, whether it's interval sprints, or even our 300 meter conditioning runs. And those guys would be in the gym 15 minutes later, cleaning 286 for sets of eight by three, like it was nothing. And we're talking about like a 180 pound receiver. I mean, I said, I saw a running back clean 384 on the floor. I was like, well, who are you? What? <laughs> <laughs> what is this? <laughs> You, you don't even get you don't even get playing time. Who are you? <laughs> yeah, how'd you know? Rob out stories again. No, uh, I just did yeah. absolute specimens. I'm sure. Yeah, freshman D Lyman comes in and squats 600, and I'm like, dude, I just worked four years for that. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> what is going on here? But what you can do with those that raw talent, and then refining their motor patterns and teaching them how to run. Oh, uh, that was his biggest thing. So we had groups of running. We would coach four football groups a day, two and a half hours each when we were allowed to, basically the summer. And about a good hour of it would be running and sprinting technique and like get off drills and step off drills. Because if you think of the sport, you're running. No one's lifting weights on a football field. Everyone's moving. And that was his biggest takeaway was moving. He's like, I can get guys strong. That's easy. We've been doing this since the 70s. He goes, but I can't teach a guy how to run if you don't know how to run. We got to spend time on that. And we did. And we, man, we had some athletes. Golly. I always refer back to it. Yeah. So this, that was the next thing I kind of want to get into you too, is like collegiate environment, especially football players. It's just like, it's a different population, man. You could throw any kind of training you want at these guys and they adapt. So like it, it, some of that stuff, like the people that listen to this podcast or me, like we can't train like that without absolutely crushing ourselves. So you, you talk about how important running is and sprinting. So when you're thinking about like that gen population, gen pop, can do you have any like recommendations as far as like speed training? Do you think it's a benefit for people to be doing sprinting? How do you do it safely without rupturing a hamstring first time out there? Any any thoughts on that? Yeah, that's a great question. So general population starting off training with no background in lifting. Do not go out and try to sprint like you are 18 years old. You will pull your hamstring like I did at 35 with the training history. <laughs> but Resisted sprinting, prowler pushes, anything resisted is going to slow your rate of speed down. So the rate of force can be high and you can still learn proper sprinting mechanics if you're with a coach or if you think you know what you're doing. But you won't ever get into an overstride position where you get the position to put that heel forward and really put that tension on that hamstring and pull it. It's a safer way to learn how to do it. I dare to say incline sprints on a treadmill or incline sprints of a thing. But if you haven't done it in a while. There's a risk of that Achilles bothering you a little bit with that. So anything you do in training, do it gradually, right? Just don't go all out. But yeah, that would be my recommendations for people starting out sprinting and get a coach. Yeah, because I'm fascinated with the speed training because I like running. And, and again, a little background on me. I'm a 35-year-old nobody. <laughs> my, my, my 400 meters about one, 112 was my PR. If I got the, the coach slot... Yeah, if I got the coach slats and then I got that savage from East Carolina to spend like two weeks with me, what, what's my 400 meter looking like if you te teach me how to run? I never did track or anything. I, I grew up playing like soccer, baseball, so no, no real sprinting experience. <laughs> I'm not going to make any bold claims, but we could probably drop at least three or four seconds off of that. Probably three or four seconds off of that. Based on, you know, from what I've heard, at least, because I've listened to all these podcasts, FYI. Oh, thanks, man. You, you guys, you guys That's work out. That's the one guy listening. Oh, I'm, I'm the one downloader. I'm the downloader. <laughs> yes, we got him. Yeah, uh, it, there's a lot of things that come into it too, right? Like you can't, can't just go out and run and expect to be amazing like, like you see on TV. These Olympic athletes and these track athletes, I mean, 
that's what they do. Oh yeah. I, if I ever got like, and, and it's a also too, like, you know, from a, a energy system standpoint, I think Rob was the first one that kind of turned me on to that. You know, cause I heard, you know, you know about sprinting and you know about, you know, power movements, but there was a, there was a window that I was left completely untrained for a long period of time. And then Rob introduced me to the prowler, you know, the, the anaerobic cycle and that, that 400 meters is probably like close to 800 meters, but that 400 meters just kills me. So it's been a huge weakness of mine that I've worked yeah. on over the years. It's something that really, really tires me out and it just crushes me. So I'm getting better, but three to four seconds, that's put me like 108, 109. That's a good, like, it's a good goal, I think. That's, that's cool. You got video your running gait. That's the next part in track athletes. Uh, you video Here's how many. Here's one for you, Dan. Yeah. Here's What's one. That? Sorry. Sorry, Slats. Get how about going. Because this, this made me feel like dog shit. My, my like 15 year old sister ran a 62 second quarter. So how that's enough motivation for the next like six weeks. I guarantee, I guarantee yeah. you drop 10 seconds magically because as soon as I heard my, my sister in high school was running a faster quarter than me, that shit changed real quick. I think I, I mean like 60, I, I, not, not, I just wanted to beat her okay. and th- that was it. But my point being <laughs> that. Put, put a carrot in front of your face and <laughs> you'll get fast real quick. First that 200 Roger meters. Effect. First yeah. 200 meters. Train your first 200 meters. Right. Yeah. Right. Got it. Cool. Thanks, guys. Wow. Yeah. I, like, I think that's an important, the, the speed training is important to bring up because, again, like, we have a lot of CrossFit listeners to this show. And I like, one of my criticisms is all the training happens in like that same energy zone. Really, the only high speed training you're doing is like your cleans and, and snatches early in class. Like anytime you run, it's 800 meters or 400 meters in the middle of a wad, like doing some resisted sprinting or incline sprinting. I think there's, there's carryover from doing that like high neurologically taxing activity at super high speed. I think there's carryover to other things, but again, that's, that's my bias. And it sounds like it's kind of your bias too. Slats. No, you do it separately. So if you do a wad that's barbell based, then Six hours later, when you're neurologically covered, then you do your your speed session. You know, you don't just hop into it. You obviously warm up for about 20, 30 minutes, and then you go into it. Sorry, it seems like for an elite CrossFitter, then they should almost have a separate speed day. Yeah, mm-hmm. or do it first, or do it first, and then do, do it your first. lift. Oh, yeah, I like that. Ah, cool. Yeah. Think about yeah, my, being my, primed my... up for a lift. I mean, after you sprint, you're wired. Like, your body is ready. HGH. HGH is getting released. Oh, you're yeah, ready. I, I got it. I got it plugged in there. HGH is getting released after a sprint. Fact. <laughs> got to. Bro, fact. It's like all natural nugenics. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get famous for it. <laughs> all right. So, so you kind of, you've shifted to military population now, which is like, it's a whole different breed of, of people. <laughs> it's, it's not the, the physical like attribute freaks, but mentally it's like a whole different population to deal with. So Kind of talk us a little bit about like how your training philosophy has evolved or how it's changed going from working with absolute like college freaks to like mental freaks now. Yeah, these guys are just tough. I mean, we're talking about like you're going from working with 18 year old kids that you have to yell at to lift some weights and like beg and plead them to do what you need them to do because if not, you get fired to people that you have to say, hey, man we shouldn't be doing this much work because this is way into overtraining and they're looking at you sideways and they're like, what? (laughs) No, this is how I got where I am. I've been doing this for 20 years. Who are you to tell me what you need to do, right? You can't come in there and do that. So dealing with grown men is amazing. I love it because you tell them what to do. If you show them why it's important and you do it with them, they listen. Oh my God, it's amazing. are you kidding me? <laughs> and they want to do it. That's the best part. They want to do it. It's a, just a totally different population to work with. Yeah. So we're dealing with guys who have been serving our, our nation for 10, 15, 20 plus years, and they have a myriad of injuries. Most of all, they've never even been seen for. And this is how our relationship got really good, Rob, is because they need physical therapy, but they're too tough to even care to get it. Or they don't have the time, they say. They don't want to make the time because they don't feel like their needs are that important. They feel like the needs of their job, their family, and their nation are more important than their own. And so getting them to understand and educating them, it's more of an educational role, kind of like personal training, really. I would kind of put that towards because I did that way back in the day at Gold's Gym, and I felt real dirty about it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, trying to like convince like 30 to 40-year-old women to pay 50 bucks for a half-hour training from my little like 
really bad personal trainer, I was like, I can't do this. That's immoral. But, you know, trying to help these guys out and teach them how to take care of themselves. It's been really amazing. And it, you just have to have, you have adult conversations now. And it, it, I couldn't beat it. Honestly, I'm not sitting on the sidelines on Saturdays, right at a football game on the sidelines, but I only got to do that 11 times out of the year anyways. But big deal. Every day is like game day. And this is bigger than the NFL for me, at least. I personally feel the NFL can do whatever they want, but these guys don't take knees. They work every day. <laughs> you know, a lot of the, the heavy hitters in the, the strength and conditioning world. Did you know the guy on the Jets who tripped the dude that was running the comeback? <laughs> yeah, I actually did know that guy. Yeah. That's awesome. Is he a bro? I, I feel like I, me and him would get along. You would love him. Yeah. He did oh, trip awesome. that guy. Oh, he meant to. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's fucking awesome he Thanks. got fired he that. got fired immediately and the guy that took over from was the guy that i learned from at at louisville brian dermody took over that job he's probably just such a savage he probably just saw like i come it's like you know what let's do it i think it was an instinct yeah he, yeah. he probably the football background probably wanted like, to make a play yeah screw this guy strip him yeah <laughs> that was awesome that made my night surprised oh, Tomlin didn't hire him after that because he, he did the same thing that jacoby jones yeah he did yeah that's, that's a tight move i I like that. It's like it's like you could come up with some crazy penalty, but the other thing is he's going to score touchdowns. It's like you, you are preventing a touchdown. They can put the ball at the one yard line. You never know what can happen at the one yard line. Give me the penalty from from where I interfered with him running. Exactly. There we go. It can only go up to 15, 15 yards. Let's go. Yeah. The bad news is he woke up and realized he was a strength coach of the Jets, and that that didn't matter. <laughs> Probably true. Whoops. <laughs> so, so Slats, the other awesome thing about working in this military environment is you're you're working DOD, so you have like a, a ridiculous budget to work with. So I'm gonna ask you like what the the one new thing is in the strength and conditioning world, either equipment wise or like some recovery piece. Like what what is the biggest thing in the last year or two that you've totally changed your view on? Like if people can get access to you, you think it's like a game changer? What 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 new kid is out there that people in your regular CrossFit box or gym don't have access to that you can make them feel bad about? Oh, man. There's there's a lot of toys. I'll name a few because you kind of set me up for failure there. There's there's a few good ones that are accessible. So resisted running, right? So everyone thinks of a sled tied to a waistband that they can run with. Sleds suck because they move side to side. They hurt. They jerk you around left and right. You can't, you can't ever get a smooth pattern. The affordable one is called the run rocket. It's basically like if you think of a bicycle wheel with like a brake pad on it, it's like that, only it's tied to your back on a strap and it's consistent pull, whatever resistance you set on that pad throughout your entire run. And then it recoils when you walk back and you go right back out, it goes for 50 yards. We've been using that since the Jeff Connors days. And that has been an amazing, we actually helped that company build their brand. That's been amazing. That's been an amazing. $89 on Rogue Fitness, by the way. No, Uh, that's. That's probably no, just the that, that is the harness, by the way. <laughs> yeah. You said affordable. Let me belay my last since we're talking military. Two thousand dollars. Yep, run around coming at two grand. That's yeah, good. There that's we go. good. But it's still it's it's okay. All right. The the one that's Sponsor. out of reach is ten eighty sprint. That one's gonna be a robotic, same kind of idea, but you can program it on an iPad and it kind of tells you like I want this resistance at 10 yards and then I want this at 15 and then I want this at 20 and then I want it to let go and it will seamlessly do it throughout that entire run. It is an amazing piece of equipment. $19,300. That one's coming in at 20 grand. Yeah. So (laughs) not everyone's going to really get that. So here's the most economical. Ready? That's awesome. You get a buddy you trust. Keyword trust. You use two of those stretchy bands that everyone has. The thick ones, at least an inch or an inch and a half diameter. You tie them together, put one around his waist, and put one in, in your faithful buddy's arms. You get ready to go, and he runs with you. <laughs> you take off, and he jogs behind you. And that's resistive running at its lowest economy form. There's a, there's a gentleman, Dave Clemick, who owns a gym, or used to own a gym in our area. He was an NFL wide receiver, but he worked with a strength coach who I think you know originated some of the stuff at Liberty University. And he started in Atlanta. I can't, can't can't remember his name for the life of me, but his gym was awesome because he had a lot of the high school kids doing the same resisted type of training. And I always thought that was, made, made a ton of sense. And then he said he has a ton of data to back up, you know, how, how great that is for, for your speed. Yeah, the resistive running, it, it just, well, a lot of the data comes out and says you can't do more than 10% body weight of resistance. So most guys will put like 15, 20 pounds on, but then some guys will argue, be like heavy as hell, do whatever you need to do. Honestly, you just do it 
to where their form doesn't really get really crappy, right? You're trying to teach them okay. printing technique. And it, if a guy's not understanding it in full speed motion, resistance slows it down for him. And it takes a lot of the injury risk away from it. Because, you know, when you sprint after 20 meters, you you turn into going into full motor pattern. Your motor pattern changes. Your hips come through, you get more vertical, and then everything changes. At 30 meters, well, you're in full go, buddy. Most most professional, like Olympic sprinters, they won't get there till about 60 or 70 meters. But most folks, the 40-yard 40, 40 sprint, that's why it's got a big hamstring thing. Because after 30, these guys are upright, they're overstriding. There goes the hamstring if they don't know how to run. Yeah, it's kind of counterintuitive, but like for hamstring rehab, you can work accelerations pretty early on, but it's the top speed stuff that usually gets you in trouble because it's, it's just the hamstrings in a more susceptible position when you're doing your upright sprint. So like if you have a hamstring, like 10, 20 yard runs are pretty usually pretty safe for you. It's that, that longer distance stuff that gets you in trouble. Yep, especially resistant stuff because they're going to be always in that forward lean p- position. They're never going to get upright with the hip. They should be. They should be. <laughs> so, so per usual, I had a whole bunch of stuff I want to talk about with you, and we're kind of kind of getting low on our typical time here, our imaginary time barrier. So, before we move into like our fun topics, I kind of want you to talk us through like what Slats's training looks like, like what what it used to be, kind of how it's evolved, like your personal workouts. What what does that look like? We're always interested to hear what what guys are doing, what kind of numbers are throwing around. Yeah, and also, by the way, just casually, you you threw in the six hundred pound squat, so make sure you touch on the numbers you're throwing around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So my best ever competition squat. Now I didn't just do this in the weight room; I did it in front of judges. A six twenty seven squat, six oh seven deadlift, and a three sixty four pause bench, and that was the best I ever got raw, full natty, bro, full natty, bro, full natty. Full natty. Full natty. How big yeah. of a person are you? I used to be 327 pounds. I, I have since cut 37 pounds, and I am 290 now. Awesome. Yeah. That's ridiculous. 600-pound squat is just so retarded. Good how tall, how, tall, how tall are you, Slats? Uh, you about 6'3". 6'3". 6'3". That's just beefcake. That's pretty big beefcake mode. Yeah, I'm a pretty good looker. Five to six. <laughs> 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 no, no, Jimmy, no, Jimmy G, no, Jimmy G, but we'll take it. But if I can't, if I can't, if I can't run an eight minute mile, then it ain't worth crap. So I always judge myself on uh, strength standards. Fuck yeah, speaking my language. Eight minute mile, five hundred pound squat, over three fifteen bench, over five hundred deadlift. If I can't do those, then I no need to get back in the gym and train. God bless. And, and then what my training. Yeah, then my training compass nowadays is because I'm kind of a washed up power lifter. I've had you know herniated discs, messed up back problems that Rob's helped me with. I just. Kept getting hurt. As I get older, I found out that things don't feel good. They don't work the same. I try to get three major lifts. So I do a very like a squat, an RDL. I balance my training and then an assistance work. And then I do some type of conditioning activity so I don't end up 400 pounds. So I'll throw another conditioning activity out of you. And a call out, come at me, bro, is 10 rounds on the Concept 2 rower. One minute on, one minute off. Most, most meters you can get, 3,083. Dude, that is that workout is right up my alley. That is my strength right there. I know it is. We came up with it. Say it again. Hold on. Sorry, I missed it. Ten rounds, one minute on, mm-hmm. one minute off. Concept mm-hmm. two rower for distance, total distance overall. You get your total distance when you go to the history, and it kind of adds it up for you. Yep, 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 yep. Three thousand so eighty-three. Important no- note for that one is you have to set the intervals, or else you'll get extra meters when you stop after that minute. So you have to do the preset intervals on the concept too, so we get like a pure number. 3,083, right? Yep. A lot of our guys are getting 2987, 2975, and then I just tell them they're soft and weak. Get back to the gym. Yeah, I, I'll tell you, it was real humbling. Uh, There's a friend of mine who was at Syracuse and rode there, and, and some of the times that, that those guys get just made me want to quit rowing forever. Oh, they're That's rowers. Awesome. Come find me on the uh, ski yeah. erg, bro. Come find me on the ski <laughs> erg. 500 meters, bro. <laughs> I'm going to try this out. The 10. I think I've done that before. I just don't know. I definitely haven't recorded it. That's a good workout. What's your 500 meter ski time? Because I never quote it right, I feel like. I was like 121. I was like number so, yeah, six. I was number six I've in the world. I've never seen and I don't want to be, doing it. I, I don't want to be. I, I can't get five. enough power into that thing. It was bad. It basically came out because Slash, one day, it? no warm up. Some guy called me out and said, slap bet. And I said, okay, man, you want this life? And I got on there and. I just went full go and I paid that price for about a month. 
What's your 500 meter row time? Just to have a ballpark here for this workout. Oh man, I've no. I think I'm like a 124. A what? 124. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Is that good? Fuck yeah, it's good. I okay. know when you and I went head head 500, I beat you, but we're not we're not rehashing oh, the workouts here. We'll move you on to what? the next topic. You know what? <laughs> yeah, do it on a podcast, bro. Come come find me in the gym. <laughs> All right. Quick quick hitter questions before we do our, our little wrap-up section. PR song in the gym, Slats. What you got? Silence. I like nothing. That is the weirdest answer we've gotten yet. Good job. You are by far the weirdest guy we've had. All right, Rogue's got everything back in stock. What's the one thing I should buy online for my home gym to get through quarantine? A kettlebell based on your strength. 24, 28 in my, in my stance, maybe a 20-kilogram kettlebell and go online and learn some stuff. Dude, love the kettlebell. We kind of talked about your definition of strong. I'm guessing your numbers, I think you, I'm sure you think those are pretty fair across the board. So the most important question, best seltzer, non-alcoholic and alcoholic. Give me both of them. Not al- <laughs> non-alcoholic. Anything store brand cucumber melon, get some. Alcoholic. Uh, we, we've talked about the cucumber melon before. Great. Yeah, great yeah, give, give us a brand, please. Give us a brand. Trader Joe's. Hot trader. All hot right. trader. And then you got to go with the Truly Lemonades now. They're hot. They come in a black box. Can't beat them. I didn't they know are, that was a thing. Oh, they're hot in the streets. Slash oh. those up. I haven't had one yet, but people, people are pumping yeah. these things up. I got my, got my ear to the streets. Same Cal. <laughs> All right, Slats, you, you're taking the book of the week this week. What do you got for us? I'm going to go back to Ron McKeefrey with his weight room wisdom because he's got a story of 99 strength coaches, but I ain't one. What's up with that, Ron? But it's weight a good room book. wisdom. Yeah, it's a good book with 99 stories from 99 different strength coaches across the country, and you can find their names and Facebook friend them, ask them questions. That's a new one for me. I'll have to pick it up. All right. Hitters this week, we got a special topic. It's ladies' night since we're such a misogynistic podcast, so everybody <laughs> has to pick at least one song from a, from a lady artist. Uh, Slash, you got one for us? Jim Hitter. Ooh, ladies' podcast. Megan the Stallion. Anything. I have no idea what that is, but give, give us, you got to give us one track. Okay. Cash shit featuring the baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't wait for this one. All right, uh, all right Nick, what do, you, what do you got for us? The uh, baby. I love that shit. Just hearing such <laughs> a grown ass man asking me to call the baby. And then oh. hearing another grown ass man say it's the best. All right, ladies' night. What up, women? Let's go. First things first, Paramore, Misery Business. One of the greatest songs of all time. If you don't know it, you should. It's an 8 one. Dan, what do you got? I'm going back to the Nicki Minaj, Well, Truffle Butter. I love that song. <laughs> I did too until I, Googled what the, I, until I Googled what Truffle Butter was. <laughs> I don't even care. I'm throwing it on there. I haven't Googled it yet. Well... Couple years late. It's all good. Drake kills that back end verse anyway. Rob, what do you got? So I'm trying to move away from uh, from the rap since that seems to be all people want to listen to, and our our list is getting heavy rap. So I stayed away from the Nicki Minaj's, and I'm going Courtney Love. Remember, remember Hole, and we're going I, with celebrity, I have. celebrity you got skin. It? Celebrity skin. Love it. Wow, wow, good on you guys. Cool, Courtney Love. Haven't heard that name in forever. My next one and last one for the week. See ya. You know I love Sia. Alive gets me through some workouts and the greatest. Featuring Kendrick Lamar if you want, but one way or another, great song. I actually have one more. I have one more too. And I don't know why I never knew that she did this song, but Shut Up and Drive by Rihanna. That's a great workout song. You guys know what I'm talking about? I've never heard of Rihanna. Who is that? She is a singer. (laughs) Very cool. I have a hard time saying her name without, you know, acting up. So. Like For some weird. reason, uh, I'm taking notes as I, I was I was like uh, asking Slats questions. The only thing I wrote down was truly lemonade. So I guess I that's what take home from this episode. <laughs> Slats, we got to thank you for coming on this ladies' night episode of the Strategy of Fitness. I think we got some some good content out of you. Uh, as usual, there are a million things I want to talk about we didn't get to. Before we wrap up, anything you want to plug to the to our million listeners here? No, I just want to plug Strategy of Fitness. You know, not to sound corny, but I've really 
enjoyed listening to a lot of stuff you got and excited to see where you go from here. And I don't have my own IG. I don't do that stuff. I stay off the radar. I just try to be a good coach and uh, really exist where I'm at and try to be the best where I'm at. So I got nothing to plug. You guys are doing a great job. Thanks so much, man. And thank you for your time. You know, you don't have to be doing this with us on a Friday night. I'm sure there's about 10 other things you could be doing, but did it with us. You did it for the fans and the listeners. So we really appreciate it, man. Thank you for the time. You were awesome. And um, might have to have a slats part too, because there's a lot of other questions I have for you as well. Oh, I love it. Thanks, man. Yeah, thanks, guys. Bye. Later. Later.